Well, everything I've seen him in, he's crap. <laughs> he look okay. I'm just gonna say this now, and if you don't get it, I don't care. He looks like a freaking dinosaur. <laughs> to be specific, he looks like a Diplodocus. <laughs> His head and neck ratio is a long ass dinosaur. I told Dominic when we watched that, he was like, What? <laughs> Look at him. He looks like a dinosaur, a turtle. No, it's a turtle. It's a turtle. I take it back. And he's not good at karate either. Hello, and welcome to Go With the Heat. I'm Dominic. And I'm John. I'm Melissa. And this is your cultural guide to punch, chop, and kick your way through the greatest era of action movies. And we I say that. I say that, but it's gonna it's gonna hurt a lot of you out there what I'm about to say. But this movie neither punches, chops, or kicks, or is worth defending. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a stinker. <laughs> it's a real stinker. <laughs> In the season that we watched Angel Town. Deadly, Deadly bet. bet. Yeah. We still have we want no and retreat, Blood no Fist. surrender, Blood Fist, and we still have Miami Connection to come. That we're gonna single out this movie as being like, yeah, you know, that's the one we should have skipped. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I think in context, we were trying to find a karate person to represent the South. So of course, Chuck Norris kind of fits that bill. Walker, Texas Ranger, Lone Wolf McQuaid seemed to be the character of his that we thought would best suit the theme. Little did we know that it was just a really long, boring episode of Walker, <laughs> Texas Ranger. So, like John mentioned, we are talking about Lone Wolf McQuaid, which originally premiered on April 15th, 1983. It is directed by Steve Carver. Did a ton of Corman work. So if that like shines a light on anything in this, he did a ton of Corman work, did some movies, actually cut together a bunch of trailers and commercials for Roger Corman. Did that for a long time before he finally got this movie break to go do this he also did another movie with the chuckster and eye for an eye which we've also watched that too so i'm gonna come back to that in my final breakdown of this movie too this was supposed to be done in the uh in the idea of a spaghetti western so if that helps at all kind of context what they were going they were going for a spaghetti western and i also want to point out that it was a year after rambo because both movies have similar themes yeah they so. do they, they they do it in like the lone and then the misunderstood and just as badass that I like, can like survivalist. I guess that's what they were going for. But I'm going to come back to that spaghetti Western thing here because real fast. It's written by HK Dial and BJ Nelson. No information on them. Just another shruggy this week. But that spaghetti Western. We picked this movie because we're doing the best karate cities. And people who have probably heard that we chose Lone Wolf McQuaid are like, yeah, but that's not a karate movie. But there's plenty of karate in it. <laughs> <laughs> there's even a license plate that says karate. karate. It's a karate movie. The this villain is, a- is known for doing poor karate. <laughs> in fact, the villain only loses because he, he continually underestimates his karate ability against Chuck. <laughs> this is... 100% a karate movie and we are going to die on this hill we can hear you right now fire it up open up your laptop <laughs> read it go. we're not going to read them this is a karate well we'll movie. read them but that doesn't mean anything we're not going to respond to them <laughs> this is 100% a karate movie and that's why we chose this movie we knew it was going to be a little controversial. It's a Chuck movie. It's not his typical karate stuff. But Lone Wolf McQuaid, even though it takes place in Texas, he's a Texas Ranger. It's got David Carradine and Chuck Norris, and they karate battle 
twice in this movie, and Carradine's character has that car that has a yes. license. This is karate. This is a karate movie. This movie showed so much promise, though, because Spaghetti Western and Kung Fu. And in my mind, when I put those two things together, I was like, you know what? This might be the most awesome movie that has ever been made because you take it's a Kung Fu Western. How can we go wrong here? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that that was my thought going into it, too, because I loved Firefly, which is kind of a space Western. So why wouldn't I love a Kung Fu Western? Like <laughs> it combines two two great things. But yet somehow it came up short. We're now going to break down Lone Wolf McQuaid and explain to you very thoroughly why this is a karate movie let's go break this one down if you fast forward through the very westerny open of watching a coyote while whistling (laughs) (laughs) hey you know what i do have i have a complaint about that opening music and that scene there was not enough whip cracks in that (laughs) that At no point did it feel like we were rolling, rolling, rolling. When the movie actually does open up, it opens up with the classic Western plotline of horse thieves. And these guys are stealing horses. And these are like the laziest horse thieves I've ever seen because they literally (laughs) take them like a half mile and then put them in a pen. Like, that's it. They'll never find us here. (laughs) You're right, John. These cattle rustlers are horse rustlers. Is that what they are? Horse rustlers? Is that... It, uh, is horse thieving like is that still like a big deal in Texas? Like, is there still a problem with people getting all their horses stolen? Someone runs <laughs> off with all the horses again. It's the third time this week. <laughs> Serious question along those lines. All the problems in this movie were they problems in 1983? Uh, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> also, if you're a horse rustler, do you not need to wear a shirt? Because the lead guy, he ain't wearing no shirt. He's just wearing a vest. It's much too small for him. <laughs> it's something out of the treasure of the Sierra Madre, right? Like that's what yes, he's yes. supposed but to be. But this is 1983. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this whole scene kind of sets up weird too, with the cops randomly like showing up, even with the, like the bad guys, because like those guys show up in the mini helicopter for no reason. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like this is 1983, right? So there's horse rustling with people just hiding out in the desert, and the guy's like really cocky about his gang but then the police come Mm -hmm. flying in in their helicopter like what is going on jj is watching from a distance he's just watching this happen and and he watches these cops get killed and at some point in time he has to take responsibility for that right like he just let those cops die yes we're supposed to believe that he's like just out there randomly because uh, i don't know he stumbled upon this somehow or just totally watches these cops get slaughtered and then at the last minute decides like okay well i better do something now that it's over and then it's the most comical spaghetti western action scene that happens because he takes out a whole bunch of people there's a big shoot out at the end and then he's able to rescue that one cop who then it's like hey we're we're best friends now he just says thank you (laughs) let's not be dramatic here (laughs) no my favorite part is he kicks the guy's teeth out then says like father like son because the guy was all saying that like a texas ranger kicked his dad's teeth out completely annihilates those guys leads me to texas rangers like they really that tough really One of the guys even says, like, ain't no one uh, ever killed a Texas Ranger and lived to tell about it. Like, really? Well, he's got those special Rambo bullets that he fires and makes, like, cars explode and shit. I'm just going to say it right now. I'm not impressed with his Texas Ranger abilities. (laughs) And later on in the movie, you see why. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so and like most of this first part of the movie is just kind of learning about J.J. McQuaid. Since seeing this movie, I'm convinced that from 1983 to 1993, Chuck Norris pitched every producer he met, Texas Walker, Texas Ranger. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm sure all those conversations went, no, 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 no. His name's not McQuaid, though. His name's Walker. (laughs) Yeah, he's different. It's different. (laughs) It's different. Listen, the studio owns that name. I can't use it. So this is something totally different. But hear me out. He's a Texas Ranger. Who's got a wolf. <laughs> and I, I make that joke kind of half serious because I do believe they did get sued by the production company that owned the rights to this film. They did sue the people that made Walker Texas Ranger, and I believe they settled out of court because they were like, "Yeah, yeah, that 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 was kind of what we're doing." I love, I love the studio. That is like Chuck. You keep McQuaid name out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> You've done enough damage to the McQuaid name. <laughs> To be honest, though, it did last like what five or six seasons. What? <laughs> I think it was on a longer. It than had that. an audience. My dad loved that yeah, show, so there's your audience. <laughs> your dad probably loved that show too. That's the kind of people that watch it. Let's see. Uh, oh yeah, no, it went on like eight years. More years than Twenty One Jump Street. <laughs> <laughs> More I have years insulted. than Vice. Yes, I mean, yeah, that's true, but. <laughs> <laughs> So speaking of which, I might as well get it out of the way now. Chuck Norris plays J.J. McQuaid, a.k.a. Walker. We, we also know him by the name of Carlos Ray Norris, who was born in 1940 in Ryan, Oklahoma. Carlos joined the Air Force after high school, and while stationed in Korea began studying the Asian martial art of Tang Soo Do. After returning to the States, he worked for Northrop Aviation while moonlighting as a karate instructor. Less than about two years later, he would be teaching full-time and running a number of martial arts studios, including some pretty famous students. Students like Steve McQueen, Priscilla Presley, and the Osmond. The reason he would have such... Yes. Wait yes. a minute. You mean like, tell- as in the whole Osmonds or just, just Donnie and Marie? You know? Because there's like 18 just, I think Osmonds. Just Donnie or and Marie. Listen. I don't know. Maybe they paid for all of them. They were successful back then. Listen. <laughs> There's there's a trope in all of these karate movies. You know it's a karate it's a quality karate movie because there's always a scene at the dojo, the sensei is beating, beating the up. fuck out of yep, every one of his exactly. students. So I want you to imagine in your head, young Chuck Norris <laughs> beating the crap just out of Donnie. Beating the fuck out of Donnie and Marie and Priscilla. And <laughs> I mean, just absolutely destroying them. And there's good reason why he had these celebrities who wanted to train with him. Because Chuck Norris, he had a fighting career between 1964 and 1974. Uh, Even though he lost his first three tournaments, by 1966, he was pretty much unbeatable. He was the National Karate Champion in 66. The All-Star Championship won the All-Star Championship in 67. He won the World Middleweight Karate Championship also in 67. And it just goes on from there. He retired as the professional full contact middleweight champion in yeah. 1974. Ultimately, his record was 65 and 5. So, yeah, he was he was legit. Wow. So, and he actually retired to get into doing, I believe, acting more. At the, uh, his friend Bruce Lee convinced him to get more into acting. So, and thank you, Bruce, for <laughs> J.J. McQuaid. 
<laughs> Chuck Norris was in The Way of the Dragon with Bruce Lee. He plays Colt. He was also in movies like Delta Force, Invasion USA, Missing in Action, The Octagon. And then he's even popped up recently in stuff like The Expendables. The Expendables 2, in fact, they kind of made a nod to he's supposed to be the lone wolf character. They didn't say it specifically, but they make it, they mention him being the lone wolf. Yes. I do want to talk about that moment for just a few minutes. We obviously, Melissa and I, love the first Expendables. Second one, eh, you know, it's all right. It's, it's, it is what you expect it, right? You know, and it's got all the big names in it and stuff. And then, but that moment when Chuck comes in, it's like a big moment, right? Yeah. He, he takes out that whole town or that whole like stronghold from, from the bad guys. And I had never seen Lone Wolf McQuaid. So in my mind, I imagine Lone Wolf is, he really is like he just operates totally alone yep he's a such a badass that no one can even come close to him so when i was getting ready to watch this movie i had high expectations nowhere we got nowhere near those expectations nor the lone wolf moniker in this movie mm -hmm. yes, well, he tries to say that <laughs> when i brought up rambo earlier because i was kind of expecting the same thing i was expecting john rambo and we didn't we got walker texas ranger <laughs> I'm going to keep picking on it. I think I can say that all of us, the only information we know about Walker, Texas Ranger is whatever we saw in old Conan O'Brien <laughs> clips when he pulled that yes. lever. <laughs> yes. He saw a random Walker, Texas Ranger It's okay. Ranger clip. I know I have AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's the end of my knowledge. <laughs> So to make sure that this is a fully Texas movie, the next scene where he goes to congratulate his friend on like retiring, I think, is yep. that he, his friend is Colonel Sanders. So. Definitely a skinny <laughs> version of Colonel Sanders. Just in case El you forgot actually, where we were. You are pretty close because LQ Jones, pretty much famous for doing a ton of Westerns and then playing the Western con Casino Authority in the movie Casino. Oh. Um, so, yeah, you remember the guy who tries yeah. to like, get his, his nephew a job? That's that's LQ Jones. So Damn. I want to shout out LQ Jones. He is known for doing a ton of Western. He even, he's got the face for it and everything. Most people do not know that he wrote and directed a boy and his dog with don johnson oh, in yeah. 1975 which wow. is a cult sci-fi classic that was written and directed by lq jones wow. lq jones also by the way he was originally born justice mcqueen but changed his name to lq jones because that was the first character he ever portrayed in a western hmm. he thought it would be better stage name than justice mcqueen i think justice mcqueen would have been a badass <laughs> stage name yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i think it was pretty good to begin with wow colonel sanders getting around <laughs> doing his thing we also see that the ba our bad guy wilkes he's got a legit setup out in the middle of the desert but a super shitty runway for landing airplanes and it's like <laughs> <laughs> it is not smooth at all you think he put all that work in all those silos got like tanks driving around and shit like he'd be able to make a better runway but apparently not but the cubans are able to make it in but he can betray them too and you left at this moment when he betrays the cubans where you're kind of like he's a bad guy but also a good guy. Because it's the Cubans. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just because you're a bad guy doesn't make you bad guy. <laughs> Out at Casa de McQuaid, he lives like he lives in a meth shack. Yeah, he's a slob. Dude, and I was he's gonna... a freaking pig, okay? Let's get it out of the way. He's a pig. He's home. And then his 
soon-to-be partners watching from the cliffs, right? And JJ puts on the greatest gunplay strip show that has ever existed. Because he's out there without a shirt on. He's doing the quick draw on all the stuff he's got set up around there. And it's almost like if he misses, he has to take off more clothes. So <laughs> no, he misses, God. He's like, pull his pants down. Put more clothes on. <laughs> no, no. It's clear, this is clearly something that you would do to sitting around the house. Just, you know, I would randomly shoot at things with my shirt off. Because that's something that I would just, you know, I would do. I wouldn't have chores, you know. I wouldn't have to go feed the animals or anything. <laughs> The other great part in this is that you hear the music and it sounds like whistling. Yeah. And you're like, is he whistling or is he listening <laughs> to, to an album of He's whistling? He's listening to whistling. <laughs> then Ramos tries to follow him and Jay's like, get out of here. Go on, boy. Go yeah, home. Go home. Get <laughs> off my property. After the retirement party, when he first meets Ramos, like the, he he brings him in and he tries to introduce him as his partner. And at first, I was like, "So is it because he works alone, or is he just racist? What's the <laughs> what's the problem here?" <laughs> Turns out he just works alone, but or See, sometimes because he seems to be pretty willing to work with the federal agent guy. So yeah, I know. Maybe he just doesn't like Ramos. Do with that? <laughs> I don't know. That's what the biggest letdown is in this whole movie is that you realize that he's not a lone wolf. This is not lone wolf. This is closer to cop and a half. <laughs> or better wolf. yet, <laughs> partner. top dog. <laughs> and it yes. is to be a lone wolf because he's got this partner that he doesn't want to work with but he has to work with him. And the partner makes all kinds of silly mistakes, but in the end, they work it out. It's the same part as top dog. Top dog is the yes. best Chuck Norris movie around. <laughs> I said it. That dog they makes the whole freaking movie. They replaced with a sheepdog. Yes. <laughs> that was the problem the whole time, Walker. <laughs> Should have partnered with a sheepdog a long time ago. Like, listen, listen. We can't afford to have a real person, so let's get a dog. Also, El Paso, fucking hot. So let's go film this shit in San Diego. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere, somehow, he's talking to Clint Eastwood, and Clint Eastwood's like, I'm telling you, man, I did one movie with an orangutan, and it worked. (laughs) So, so with a dog, huh? As a partner? Okay. So now we go to what is, this whole section is my favorite part of the movie. Not the ending, not any of the stuff that happens afterwards. (laughs) This horse race slash karate expo. (laughs) Slash. (laughs) Slash. Hoedown. Yeah. Barbecue picnic area. (laughs) This is legit the most Texas. Actually, not even Texas. This is the most New Mexico thing I've ever seen. They do karate and then ride a horse. I'm going to get out of there. This is where we meet Lola. And we see David Carradine's character, Raleigh, again. Uh, Well, so she meets McQuaid. They start bantering. And then she invites him to watch her boyfriend or husband practice karate before the race, like next to the racetrack. And it's like, I don't care if it's 83. When is that ever something you would do? Hey, come watch my boyfriend practice karate. (laughs) Wilkes pulls up in his car that's got karate on the license plate. There's a karate expo that's happening and tentpole moment he's beating the fuck out of his own students this is a karate this movie is a karate movie <laughs> this is also the ugliest hoedown in the history of hoedowns <laughs> it's a it's a crossover episode between kung fu and walker texas ranger <laughs> 
Oh, my, oh my God, God, it, it is. is. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, I think David Carradine got a producer credit. Previously, we see his daughter. They have a weird thing with his daughter and his ex-wife. Who Dominic thought was his, was his grand, was like a grandmother. <laughs> He's like, that's... Um, we're like sitting there in front of him. He goes, well, who's that lady? I'm like, that's his ex-wife. He's like, oh my God, she's old. <laughs> this just brings me to a couple things that I've noticed with action movies because I've seen it with some Stallone movies too. What is this idea that, one, action stars have to be divorced because apparently their heroic lifestyle is just too chaotic to be married. And two, unlike Bruce Willis characters, why are they always am amicable with the ex-wife? Like yeah, they get I along. It just didn't work out. You know, in the long run. But we still like each other. Yeah, like, he's like, a good why, man. Why isn't it like, it's your weekend, you're late. <laughs> and then, uh, just all that aside, why is his daughter the same age as his love interest in this movie? His daughter looks very old. like She's like 25. Old. And yeah. Lola's like 27. So. <laughs> kind of creepy, Chuck. <laughs> go back to that Lola thing because she rescues the daughter like stops her horse from running away then she like befriends Chuck who's trying to get the bottom shelf beer that the guy won't give it to him and then she comes over and it's like bottom shelf like oh yeah I got it sorry I didn't understand in the in the beginning that, that you wanted the water that spilled on the floor <laughs> <laughs> so then we see that they have this setup this ring right and, and I want you to tell me if this plot line sounds familiar degenerate wandering the streets Meets up with someone, goes and sees an a, a an exhibition karate match where <laughs> where the instructor is beating the hell out of his own students and yeah. a very and who's also very rich and has a young attractive wife slash girlfriend or like wants love to, interest love yeah. interest and wants to take her away. Hmm. hmm. Seems like mm -hmm. you might be talking about some kind of bet. Yeah, and like it was <laughs> murderous or <laughs> deadly. I go some sort of deadly bet. <laughs> Still think Jeff Wincott's a loser, though. <laughs> <laughs> I still think this movie does better than that. No. <laughs> Even Chuck Norris is better than Jeff Wincott. <laughs> Before we started, I was telling Dom this. Apparently, after the movie was released in the in some of the press, someone asked Chuck Norris what he thought of David Carradine's ability as a karate uh, to do karate, and Chuck said that he is as good at karate as I am at acting. Oh, is that like a compliment, so, or like, is that is he, like a like, backhanded? Uh, what is he saying? <laughs> Because, like, like, Chuck's got to know what kind of movies he's in, right? So does he know, like, he's not much of an actor, but the pants to the nipples suggest otherwise. <laughs> All right. Like, so I, I, I wanted to throw that out there before I, I talk a little bit more about David Carradine. <laughs> David Carradine, by the way, plays Wilkes. He was born into an acting family. He was born in Hollywood, went to San Francisco State College and studied mm. music and theory. Uh, sorry, studied music theory and composition. He did a two-year stint in the army. After coming back from the army, he landed some Broadway work, which led to a role in Scorsese's first film, Boxcar Bertha, in mm. 1972. So this was after a short-lived lead in the TV series Shame in 66. Carradine's actually been in over 100 featured films and hey. uh, a few dozen TV movies, mostly known for his iconic role in Kung Fu. So he has Kung Fu from 72 to 75. There were 63 episodes. Then there was a Kung Fu movie in 86, and then a TV movie in 92, and 
legend Kung Fu the Legend continues uh, from 93 to 97, which is 88 more episodes. Damn. So, man, just really, really hanging on to that Kung Fu character. <laughs> he also played that Kung Fu character in movies like Kill... I mean, he was in movies like Kill Bill. <laughs> He was also in Death Race 2000 as uh, the voice of Frankenstein in the 08 Wait, version, speaking of. I will unapologetically, will not hide it, absolutely adore the entire Death Race series. All the way from the original with David Carradine and Fr Frankenstein Death Race 2000, all the way to the new ones that they're making on Netflix. I absolutely love the Death Race. They can put any person, any actor, any storyline, just make it ridiculous and keep the race theme, and I'm in. Yeah, notice, in all of that, I never once mentioned David Carradine as a professional kung fu fighter, so maybe Jeff Wincote would have had a little bit better shot against Chuck than Carradine. <laughs> okay, I think he looks like a Diplodocus, <laughs> or possibly a turtle. <laughs> so I will forever just think of him fighting like a turtle. You mentioned a turtle with all those, like, stainless steel rings on. I was just, like, literally, I was just looking at pictures of turtles right now, just to... Just, so you're saying just, that at one point he might have been a teenage mutant turtle? No, not even like that. It's something about the neck-to-head ratio. It's just not right. <laughs> like one of those Galapagos Island turtles. Yes, that's exactly what I mean. <laughs> Moving on. Lola is all about JJ, even though she's married to Wilkes. And she's like, hey, uh, so you want to go in the parking lot in the back? <laughs> want to get out of here <laughs> which is a great scene when they go to that bar and i don't even know why they go there they go she to like takes him there for whatever he's like let's go to this bar they don't even get a drink no they did they sat down and they were gonna get a drink and then that guy came over and was like i want to lick you or i don't know whatever <laughs> i have no idea what he said <laughs> can i touch you and then she got mad and then that was the end of that and she like enjoyed that you could tell that she enjoyed like making him mad and that Chuck Norris is going to have to fight those people. Meanwhile, JJ's daughter, Sally, is learning stroke cadence out in the open <laughs> desert with her boyfriend. And they accidentally see the police shooting. Accidentally see. Don't give me any of that. Did you see how many road flares they used? There was like 50 of them. Like you could see it from space. <laughs> uh, why are they making out like right next to a main road? You got to go further in than that. You can't just be having sex in the car like <laughs> when there's a road right there. People just drive by and see you. <laughs> well, it turns out there was two guys in a car parked right behind them watching the entire time <laughs> as if it was some sort of French cemetery. <laughs> so <laughs> these guys are lazy henchmen. And this becomes a theme throughout this whole movie of lazy henchmen. So they hijack this military convoy. And then in doing so, they kill all the cops at the checkpoint and they kill Chuck's daughter's boyfriend. But rather than shoot his daughter as well, when she climbs back into the car, they lazily just push the car over the side, leaving a witness. <laughs> a witness who's related to a police officer. She's also screaming, like, the whole time that it's happening. Why are you screaming? Maybe if you stop screaming, why, you wouldn't even <laughs> known you were there. She's like, oh my god, you're shooting him. I'm watching you shoot him. I'm in the car. Don't kill me too. Stupid girl. 
First That's you just, park next why? to a main road to have sex, then you just keep yelling <laughs> whether they can take him behind you. The next day, JJ finds out that his daughter was involved, so he races over Not there. Really? I mean, he kind of goes kind of slow. He doesn't Wait, get there until like she's already getting the start practically. <laughs> He goes to Caesar in the hospital. Then he goes to the crime scene the next day. Feds tell him he's locked out. No rangers allowed. You're not allowed to be here. Not get going. Yeah. <laughs> he then leaves to go do some real police work because he's going to stick his nose into it anyway because it's his daughter that they attacked. He goes back, tries to make some phone calls to find out from the shipping company because Ramos was able to pick it up and hand it to him, make some calls. But then Ramos comes in. It's like, old man. Why are you making phone calls? Of course, they're going to stonewall you. I'm going to look it up on this computer. Computer? Yeah. <laughs> computer thingy. This is what the kids call hacking. <laughs> and it's a giant computer from the 1980s. <laughs> and he's like, bing, bong, bing, 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 bing. And pulls Enhance. it right up. <laughs> Enhance. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you classify it as hacking when you like, oh no, the the mainframe for the FBI has locked me out. Let me try some combinations. Password. No, wrong. Password <laughs> one. Yep, that's right. That's good. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> so then they go, and I can't figure out why they decide. He decides like. Well, let's go talk to this guy, Snow. Yeah, I, so we, we're going to talk to this guy, Snow, because he busted him at one point in time. It's the worst bust I've ever seen. They randomly beat up a couple henchmen in front of the building, and then he just kind of stumbles in, and he's like, what's up? <laughs> Remember me? <laughs> and 80s action movies have ruined me forever. Whenever I go to a big city, I'm always checking every alley looking for uh, knocked out henchmen. <laughs> you never know. Those people all cracked out on heroin in San Francisco in the alleys, they might just be like henchmen that have been knocked out. <laughs> Big chase with snow. They finally capture him after he truck crashes and explodes. They take Snow out to the colonel's house. This is what I'm calling him. Yeah, he's the colonel. Yeah, he's the colonel. Yeah. They work him over snow. pretty good. And he eventually says that Senor Falcone is the one that's running guns from Mexico. And he's got Snow's son hostage to force him to be cooperative. Snow, by the way, played by William Sanderson. He played J.F. Sebastian in Blade Runner. Mm. Uh, he was also on 91 episodes of the New Heart Show playing the character of Larry, 82 to 90. So Damn. the reason why I point that out is because there's a very famous Bob Newhart sketch where he says, my name is Larry. These are my brothers, Daryl, and my other brother, Daryl. And that has has been kind of regurgitated over the time in a lot of different comedies but so when you hear the uh this is my brother daryl that's where that joke comes from mm, is the bob mm -hmm. newhart characters he was also in 36 episodes of deadwood as eb farnham he was sheriff bud dearborn in true blood of all the people He's one of the more accomplished actors, even yeah. though Carradine's been mm -hmm. in a bunch of crap. And so let's chuck. Carradine's just being kung say, fu for 94 I years. Say they, I want to say he, he was in a Deadwood movie in 2019. Mm, he was in that, too. As the same character. Yeah. Huh, interesting. So, yeah. At least someone made it out famous. I kid. They're all kind of famous. <laughs> so it's been a long day for JJ. He's going to go home, have a few brewskis, call it a night. Gets home, finds that Lola is there cleaning the place, throwing out his beer too, because you know he's a drunk. So, the, well, I mean that is the truth. He is a drunk, but but <laughs> what is clear from the beginning is that they both want to get UTIs because they're gonna go out in the mud <laughs> and they're gonna bone down in the mud 
and they're both going to get UTIs. Now, luckily, there's like just some over-the-counter pills you can kind of get for that. Like you can just do it through your virtual doctor's appointment. And you can get some pills for it, and they're like they'll clean it right up. But. <laughs> this scene tells me a few things. One, Lola's nuts, and that in three months he's going to be vegan, talking about how gluten's not good for you anymore. <laughs> Two, I like how in the middle of an investigation, he can kind of just like go and take a break. Go play yeah. with the hose. <laughs> Enjoy himself, you know? Uh, it doesn't matter that his daughter's in the hospital or Yeah, anything. why was he going um, home? Like, really, why did he uh, leave just that to blow guy off there? Some steam. <laughs> it, it was, so all this is happening on his day off, and so he's trying to continue his day off, I think. <laughs> so after some, some mud boning, he's going to go out and pay a visit, which I don't think he's got a shower at his place, so he just shows up all muddy out at That's what the hose is for. <laughs> We finally get to meet Falcone. He's been like lurking around. You see him in a couple brief scenes here and there. But we finally get a chance to meet Falcone. Chuck comes in. Oh, JJ beats the fuck out of the bouncer. Who becomes a, a routine thing. He beats up that bouncer yes. at least four times. Well, why does that bouncer keep trying to find him? He knows he can't. He's like, Poor you got an appointment. You can't do his go. Job. <laughs> I know. He's like, you can't go in. You got an appointment. Chuck's like, yeah, whatever. Fuck that. Punch you right in your neck. I'm going in. <laughs> Guys, Falcone to me was like a Batman villain. This movie, I cannot figure it out. What is it? Is he a cop? Is it a Western? What's with the silly other bad guy? We have multiple bad guys. Yeah, they're both this, bad yeah. guys. In this movie. And yeah, the, at well, no time do you see the two, like, I think just one time you see the two bad guys together. And that's it. Like, you don't even see that they work together. They don't even talk to each other. Yeah, there is. And they never actually make the connection really strong between the two of them. Like the writing, and it's like, yeah, they kind of know each other, and they might work together, but we don't know because Falcone's <laughs> mysterious. Because he just says something like and wheels was, off. <laughs> uh, it's like they were trying to set up a bad guy for the next uh, for the next movie or for the, the next Wolf episode. To, <laughs> yes, <laughs> on the next episode of Kung on the Fu, next, the next generation. Of <laughs> It's a part two. <laughs> All that we get out of this is that Falcone says, as he disappears into the wall, <laughs> that there's going to be a hit that goes down tonight. So then JJ tries to race out. At the same time, the Colonel, Ramos, and Snow are all out there. They get ambushed by Wilkes' gang, uh, and Ramos is able to make it out alive, but no one else is. Okay, but how did he get out? What did he yeah, how do? did Ramos not get killed? What did he like, have did to he do hide? to get out of it? No, because they go it's, see it's, him, right? And yeah. at the end of the scene, he's like in there yelling like for the colonel, like, are you okay? Are you all right? It's like, no, he's dead. Just run. But then all of a sudden, hmm. you hear like the door come open, and he's like crouching. What did he have to do? <laughs> yeah. Dirty. <laughs> Well, Ramos is played by Robert Beltran, most known for being Commander Chakotay in Star Trek Voyager uh, from 95 to 01, 170 episodes. That's how I know him. I know him as Commander Chakotay. He'll always be Chakotay. He was in some other stuff. He's done a lot of stage stuff in the LA area, too. I'm not a Trekkie, so I'm trusting you on it. (laughs) Oh, come on. It's Voyager. That's the one with seven of nine. (laughs) Okay, I'm aware of Jerry Ryan. Oh, I bet you are. No, <laughs> well, let me explain to you the geek stuff. So the Bajorans <laughs> were trying to get free. <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> from the car. <laughs> Commander Chicote was a rebel leader who joined the Federation after the peace trade agreement. 
JJ finally gets hauled in by the ATF and the FBI who are pissed at him. Like, you have no warrants. You're doing all kinds of stuff without asking for permission. You're not giving us any of the information that you're getting. You're just out there being a lone wolf. Damn it. And you're not good at it. With all your friends. (laughs) (laughs) So what's good is that they, they, they basically tell him like he's broken all of these laws. And so for breaking all of these federal laws, getting in the way of their investigation and withholding witnesses and all of this equals probation somehow. So wait, and they didn't even take his badge or his gun. Like, no. you're on probation. Now go home and think about it, young man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's always thinking he's, he's enough. He's like, she's waiting for him too. Freaky time, goes to sleep. And mm-hmm. you just know, like, you just get like those Brillo pad burns, like after being that close to Chuck, like all that fur oh, on the chest oh, and stuff. Oh, I'm going to throw exfoliating up. Exfoliating on your oh, skin. Oh, <laughs> see. See, I wasn't even thinking about that. I'm thinking like, man, is that a new duvet cover? Like, <laughs> she's really moving in. John being the bachelor of the group is like, look at her. Look, he's losing all his shit. She's putting a new bedspread on there. She's taking his beer. She's going to make me yep. tofu. What the hell? Uh, next thing you know, all this stuff's going to be in storage. <laughs> no, next thing you know, the dog's going to be outside. Mm-hmm. Hmm. He's an outside dog now. Yeah. <laughs> It's that bitch's fault. <laughs> oh, speaking of which, poor dog. So we get the whole John Wick dog thing that night. They come for him. Instead of getting him, they kill his dog. And so he takes it bad. Like now it's personal. Like it wasn't personal before when you like almost killed his daughter. Because like that was just his daughter. But um, his best friend killed right? his dog. <laughs> Yeah. Now. Yeah, they killed oh, his best God. friend already, but the dog. For the record, mm-hmm. I was very upset about the dog. That was ne- that was needless. They did not need to do that. And they weren't I even know. there to to kill JJ. They were there just to make a statement. Yep. And so they killed this dog and shot into the house or like threw a brick through the window and, and they like, shot up the house too. Yeah, they weren't actually trying to hit him. So, they jump into the car and Wilkes like, did you scare him good? Like, yeah, we got him, boss. <laughs> and then they drive away. Hey, so question, quick question. What's a bigger statement? Running up, shooting his window and shooting his dog and running away or banging his wife? Which is a bigger <laughs> statement? <laughs> yeah. Do you think Wilkes knew that she was in there at that time? I don't know. I kind of have to. Like, isn't that her car out front? Like, <laughs> yeah, but- this is karate too on the license plate. I think that's my car. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, I'm not going to give anything away. But yeah, I'm sure he he probably knew she was there, and that was this, that's why he was making a statement. <laughs> You're, I'm going to screw your dog. No, yeah, but it comes off so much more poutier when it's <laughs> when it's just driving up to shoot his dog because he's nailing his wife. Like it seems so much worse. Okay, so there's there's a longish scene where he goes on that airplane ride with the FBI officer. They figure out where the compound is and then they go back they go jeeping up the mountain and they go back and then they just like literally like four of them there's 700 yes. henchmen yeah there's what? four of them so so with the airplane ride they're, they're in the airplane looking and they're looking for anything out of the ordinary they see the airport and he's like yep there's no airport on my thomas guide that's gotta be the place <laughs> and for those of you that know what a thomas guide is thank you <laughs> see, what are we so doing? not just G7. that but then yeah i don't see anything g7 like it's just empty hold on let me flip to yeah. the back <laughs> yeah 
El Paso. No, like, look, see, G7, El Paso's not even in G7. You're looking at page 236, right? Yeah, 236. Look right here. No, see, see that's, the, that's the fifth edition. I've got the fourth edition. That's why we're on different... We're on different page numbers. All right, Man, no, they're building so, homes out here. Fast. Yes. <laughs> Me, who's never used a Thomas Guide. I'm like, yeah. That was, it's not on my phone. That I was, don't see it. <laughs> that was so many conversations for me in like 2005. But that aside, so then, yes, it's the slowest convoy in history where <laughs> they're following him in the four-wheel feel, four-wheelers and they're going like two miles an hour. And then he has to start pushing them. And then they get there, and the ATF guy is a jackass. <laughs> thinks I'm a cop, and if I just announce myself as a cop, they'll just surrender because they know it's doomed. But of course, the 700 people who work there, they're thinking like, I'm not going to jail. Yeah, and there's yeah. it's just you, and it's in the <laughs> middle of nowhere. You're four. There's four of you and 700 of us. Yeah. Well, they How? shoot you. <laughs> Yeah, how did they think five to six people were going to be able to take on a small army? They had to hike there, and this guy has helicopters. (laughs) The only thing that happens in this whole long scene that's worthwhile is that Bronco is the best character in the movie. Yeah. Because he buries the they bury the Bronco yeah. complete and he's able to drive it out. But he's not really driving it. He's kind of puts it in gear and flips a couple switches and then it just like hits its way out of the ground. Because the Bronco <laughs> is a better ranger than <laughs> But see, again, again, they could have easily have just shot him. But instead, we have to go with these elaborate murders Instead, we get these lazy answers. Let's just bury him in the car. That way, we'll just kill, we'll just get it all done now. Then we won't even have to dig a hole, a second hole. <laughs> I don't know what the hell's going on here. There's this compound. There's five of them. All of them get shot. Some of them get shot, and you don't see that. That that thing I shot, like Jackson, the FBI officer, comes up later. He's been shot. He was just out in the middle of the desert, shot. And then he comes stumbling in. He got shot in the stomach. Yeah, like, like how is he alive? I didn't even see that when that happens. And then Chuck is. Or JJ gets buried alive inside of his Bronco, but then the rest of the people decide to run away. I don't know what the hell's going on here. Wilk shows up and tells him to, to do the thing, gets back on his helicopter and flies away. Like none of this, none of this scene makes any sense. No. And then it ends with like he surprises after he drives out. He surprises them on like a union break, like they're all just sitting down <laughs> and having lunch. And, and then like his daughter's there. They kidnapped his daughter too. So like yeah, oh the, no, I'm sorry. That that's the next scene. The next part they they've kidnapped his daughter too. Yeah, yeah they have his daughter and Lola out in Mexico. Yeah. Yes, we're gonna come to that really fast. The last thing I'm saying in this scene that makes it just add the weirdness to it. They bury him alive in the Bronco, and he's in there. And he's like, get her done. He pops a beer, <laughs> <laughs> starts drinking the beer, then puts the Bronco in gear and drives out of the hole. It's his like Popeye spinach, but <laughs> yes. Dang <laughs> Real fast before we get to Mexico, JJ realizes that his shooting hand's no good, but the crew's going to get back together. Their ex-wife tells him that they stole their daughter, so he gets Ramos and Jackson, and they're going to go down the Mexico way, and they're going to go get everyone back. This is when Falcone shows up. He says, I know where they are, and if you help me, I'll help you. He's got my stuff. I'll tell you where he is, but I want I want my stuff back. And he agrees because his, his old wife is like, please do it. Do whatever he has to do, please. <laughs> so now they're going to head to Mexico. JJ's going to Mexico. The whole crew is going to show up. There. First of all, did you see that border crossing? 
And she's like, hey, like, wait. What's up? Little shack. See you later. <laughs> Have fun in Mexico. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm more caught up with the guns that they're bringing as, like, to arm themselves. So, like, he busts out the guns, and there's, like, grenade launchers and crap. And Chuck's, like, instantly for the crossbow. <laughs> I want the crossbow. <laughs> Hey, if you watched the movie with guys in really big plastic pu- puffy pants, the crossbow is where it's at. <laughs> Dude, and then once they actually start attacking the compound in Mexico, the crossbow is more effective than the rocket launcher. I swear to God. <laughs> Jackson's there in a better Bronco, by the way. He's got, he's got a nicer Bronco than the other Bronco. Just saying. <laughs> Just saying, Norman. He makes more money. <laughs> and they're in Mexico. So this is the key to all of this. Falcone and Wilkes have a separate operation in Mexico. And the gang is going to go down there because he's the, he's not a lone wolf. He works with other people. His whole gang is going to come with him down there to help the lone wolf bust up this horse rustling, grenade launcher stealing ring that's operating down there. And the reason why they can do it is because it's in Mexico. No rules. Yep. We can do whatever we want. We can <laughs> yeah. shoot. We can blow stuff up. Oh, we can do whatever we want. No police in Mexico. <laughs> it's a whole country of horse thieves. <laughs> don't 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 take my word for it. Ask Chuck. Then on top of that, they gotta hike so far, and they all have bullet wounds, and they're climbing through that water. I know. And stuff like Jackson's gonna, gonna get, get an infection and die. Gangrene. <laughs> what? What happened to the mini helicopter that state police had earlier? Yeah, I know. <laughs> use that. Their lack of transportation gets them in trouble at the end of this. Also, the Mexico setup is way better than their El Paso setup. Why even have the El Paso setup? This one's way bigger, way nicer. It's got a whole hotel. They got walk-up <laughs> bars, poolside service. So I mean, why even have the El Paso version? Just keep it all in warrant. So JJ comes in, finds Lola and Sally, start to escort them out. But then it turns into a shootout, which I think was the plan all along. I think so. Uh, then Jackson and Ramos were going to start the shootout. And then big battle, which of course is going to end in tractor tank game of chicken turned <laughs> to karate off. Karate. Because it's a karate yes. movie. And of course. So, so basically, after killing everybody in the complex, down to just David Carradine's character, you can't get proper revenge if you just shoot him. That's why they weren't able to shoot him before. They've had to bury him and all the other fun stuff. In order to get proper revenge for murdering his dog, he has to beat <laughs> him. His daughter gets shot, and so does his romantic interest. They both get shot. <laughs> But the good news is he gets to beat the crap out of him with his fist instead of just shoot him. <laughs> then he almost escapes and then he blows up the building, does a few juke moves. Check out these sweet moves. Yeah. He like <laughs> shuffles around in the dirt and then throws the grenade is able to blow up the room where uh, Wilkes is and kill him. So that's the end of it. Falcone comes flying in in his helicopter, sees that all of his merchandise has been destroyed and thinks somehow he's going to negotiate with an FBI officer, a Texas Ranger, and <laughs> that they owe that they owe him now, but they just take his helicopter and fly back to the United States because you know there's no radar or anything. You just kind of like just cruise back yeah, and forth. Yeah, you can just fly. Yeah, you don't uh-huh. need to worry about well, like getting. I, I love oh. the pilot too. You fly us. It's like, oh, uh, as long as okay. you don't arrest me, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, unfortunately, Lola perishes. She dies from her gunshot wound at the compound. So no vegan McQuaid. Um, <laughs> 
So, she was played by Barbara Carrera. Carrera. Uh, she also p- played Fatima in Never Say Never Again. So, she was mm. a Bond girl. Uh, wow. She was a Connery Bond girl. So, mm. good Bond girl. <laughs> uh, she was also in The Island of Dr. Monroe, the original in 77. She- also, she's not Wilkes' wife. You guys understood that, right? Mm, no. That's yeah, why I- well, <laughs> her character's like- name is Lola Richardson, so... Yeah, I guess so he, she's, either that or she just didn't take his name. So <laughs> when when she's dying, she tells she tells him that. She's like, Listen, I was never married to him. He killed my husband and he took me. Mm-hmm. So that that whole like what if she's there and maybe whatever. I was like, She's dead, so whatever. <laughs> yeah. Shit happens. So that's <laughs> why but that's why she was like sleeping with that's why she was like so infatuated with him and like willing to go do all that stuff because she wasn't really married to Wilkes. He just like kept uh. her because in the beginning, they talk about her family died in a horrible accident. Yes. Gotcha. Her, him and the colonel, they talk about it, how she was young and she's a widower mm. and her family died. And then she married him. But he just basically took her. Yeah, I'll go back to the quote they use uh, all that fruit just rotting on the vine. That's how they refer to her early mm-hmm. in the movie. So the last scene of the movie is, of course, Chuck, J.J., who just can't call it quits. He gets his award. The, even the chief of police is happy with him now, who's been riding him the entire movie. And then right when he's going to go spend some quality time with his ex-wife and his daughter, Ramos comes pulling up and says there's a robbery at the bank, and JJ just decides to take his job first over his family, even though the whole movie is about him trying to take his family more seriously. Okay, but she just mm-hmm. wanted to help. She wanted him to help her move. Like, hire a moving people. <laughs> That's why she was mad. She was like, so, I'm so glad you're going to help us. She don't give a crap about spending time with them. She wanted him to move the heavy boxes because she's no, old see, and I she's have, frail. I she have, can't handle it. I have the opposite view. After his daughter gets back from the hospital the first time, he drops her off at the house and is like, get out of the car. Like, won't even walk her to the door. Yeah, exactly. Get out. Get out. <laughs> And then she gets kidnapped. She wouldn't be kidnapped had he tried to protect her at all. Meanwhile, she witnessed a crime. But he doesn't try and protect her or his family at all. And then at the <laughs> end, he's going to do finally do something and help his family. But like always, his job comes first and he abandoned his family. So, and maybe he's not as am- amicable with his exes as we think. I think <laughs> yeah, this happens I think he's like not. all the time. I, I don't think he has any kind of relationship with Sandy. She's she's probably all over the place. She does look like a... Is her name Sandy? Because she looks like a Sandy. <laughs> Sandy with the short hair. <laughs> and that's the end of Lone Wolf McQuaid. Thank the... <laughs> I have so <laughs> many <laughs> thoughts about this movie. And Chuck Norris. Because <laughs> both of them have failed to deliver on multiple occasions. <laughs> That's what his wife said. <laughs> <laughs> That's why Sandy don't want to be with him anymore. <laughs> but I will save those for our final thoughts. First, we got to get to the music. There in was this music movie. in this movie. <laughs> is, it, is it just Chuck Norris whistling? <laughs> no, no, almost. Album almost. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go take a look at the music. All right, John. I'm. I'm hoping that this movie is full of music that is from old western movies and commercials that they've squeezed into it like that one episode of miami vice but i as you said earlier it may not be that exciting what do you got for us this week so the score 
for this movie was put together by Francisco De Masi. Francisco De Masi was an Italian conductor and film score composer. Actually kind of famous for it. Actually kind of famous for Spaghetti Western. He studied composition at San Pietro e Mala Con Convis Conservatory <laughs> in Naples under the guidance of Achille Longo, his uncle, who apparently is somebody. <laughs> So his uncle, Longo, Uncle Longy, Uncle Longo, <laughs> taught to Massey about composing and music. Long story short, he is a classically trained conductor who dabbles like as a hobby, scores music, and makes money from it. And because of which, he lives in Naples and works at a university and makes a bunch of money. Probably wears a tweed jacket. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone uh -huh. wears tweed. Damasi became interested in fi film music when Longo, his uncle, uh, was asked to compose a soundtrack for a film. And he asked Damasi to be his assistant. Damasi's filmography includes scores from over 200 films and TV series. It ranges from spaghetti western, sandal epics, to even some horror films. So, uh, I am not going to try and pronounce... There's a lot of them that are Italian, like Hercules the Invincible in 63 is actually written in Italian, but I can't... Oh my god, we so. might have seen some of his movies then. Yeah. And, and you guys, to be honest with you, Lone Wolf McQuaid is probably the only movie that I recommend. Uh, something called Thunder that might be... Uh, <laughs> Thunder Warrior, 80s, the early... But yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of kind of it. Taught at Santa Celia Conserv... I think he might be there now. Oh no, I'm sorry. Uh, he died at the age of 75 of kin. Hey, you know, I, I just gotta say, you know, we've had a good thing going... But they can't all be interesting. So <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you get a sometimes we, yeah, sometimes music just happens to be a nice Italian man who uh, has a respectable <laughs> who who makes a respectable living teaching music. Like sometimes that's all you get, guys. Hey, you know what? So, At least um, some people who worked on this movie are respectable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I imagine he lived in quite a nice house in Naples. Uh, I'm sure he was a great conductor. He might have even conducted some stuff from time. <laughs> <laughs> well, John, I think music is a good summary of the movie, which is like, eh. <laughs> 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 a little lacking. <laughs> so. All right. Let's go give our final thoughts on Lone Wolf McQuaid. All right, John, I'm going to have you kick us off this week on your final thoughts, because I think you and I and Melissa, I think all three of us are on the same page for this movie. Guys, we watch a lot of action movies and kung fu movies and sci-fi movies, and we watch a lot of bad movies, and we're okay with bad movies, because we, like we talk about it all the time, sometimes bad movies are fun, and sometimes the best movies are bad movies. Since we've been doing this, we've watched a lot of Chuck Norris movies, and I know Chuck Norris from Chuck Norris meme fame and from just ch being Chuck Norris. Every time we watch a Chuck Norris movie, I keep thinking like, this is going to be the one. This is going to be the good movie that people like. That's the reason why he's famous. You know, and we just keep watching all the bad ones. But guys, I don't think there is a good Chuck Norris movie. <laughs> um, and I think, I think, Dom, I think you're kind of in the same, I think you're kind of with me in the same boat there. I just keep waiting for one to like, and I always, I thought for sure 
Lone Wolf because that's like the big character. That's the, like I said, the Rambo character for him uh, is kind of the J.J. McQuaid. And so, but yeah, just kind of left feeling like, like, well, like I keep saying, like it was just an extended uh, season finale uh, of Walker, Texas Ranger. (laughs) We're going to find out that Sally has AIDS. (laughs) No, I agree with you exactly 100%. Watch Eye for an Eye, like, okay, no, that wasn't good. Watch Octagon, no, that wasn't good either. Watch uh, Invasion USA, like, "Mm, yeah, that one's kind of a letdown too. I'm drawing a blank. What's the one where he's got the big gun and the super big mullet? Um, Missing in action. Uh, No. Missing in action? No, there's another one that I'm thinking of. Um, It's like, it's another one of those ones where like he's a cop in San Francisco. He wears a big trench coat. Watch all these movies and we get to Lone Wolf McQuaid and I'm I'm with you, John, like, maybe this will be the one, but I think we're settling on on that there aren't any good Chuck Norris movies. And I know that's going to be upsetting to some of you out there, but I'm going to say it. There aren't any good Chuck Norris movies. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I mean, I think you could say the same thing about Steven Seagal, and we've accepted that a long time ago uh, with Steven Seagal. We still watch those Steven Seagal movies. We just know going in that it's a bad movie. But those are entertaining. There's a difference between being bad and and then being entertaining. Well, I I think we have to give Chuck a little bit of credit because it's slightly older than most of what we watch. He was kind of early direct to video. <laughs> I think we have to kind of give him a little bit of slack, but still, you know, just yeah, I just can't. And I, I've just gotten to the point now where I'm like, listen, Chuck, it's not me, it's you, and I think I'm not gonna watch any more of your movies. <laughs> Can't do it. And why, is it and, and, and why is it always these guys uh, who are really good fighters and really known for being like like expert martial artists? Why are they always just terrible actors? You know, like the only yeah. one I think that can act out of any of them is Jet Li or Jackie Chan. But Jackie Chan's also like a a tenor and an <laughs> opera singer. So like Jackie Chan can do whatever he wants. <laughs> I can't say anymore that Chuck Norris is an action star from the 80s. He's just an action guy. <laughs> Not a star. <laughs> you ain't no star. <laughs> You're some guy. <laughs> well, and maybe that comment that he made about David Carradine, maybe that maybe he never took himself seriously as an actor. Maybe he realized that, hey, I am terrible, guys. But at least I'm good at karate. Carradine's <laughs> all makeup and mirrors. <laughs> the only thing I'll say is that if you're in for a lot of corduroy pants pulled up to your nipples, Chuck movies got you covered. They got you. <laughs> Harry Gingers got you covered. Yeah. And see, that's the other thing. I, I could never see a respectable Texas Ranger wearing white corduroy pants. <laughs> like I, I'm sorry, no matter what the decade. Melissa, what are your final thoughts on this movie? I can't believe you guys are talking this bad about this movie. I love this movie. I'm joking. (laughs) I hated this movie from the beginning. It was boring. It was boring. And it was boring. Also, he's a terrible Texas Ranger. His best friend gets killed. His fault. His daughter gets kidnapped. His fault. His girlfriend, whatever, the girl he's banging, dead. His fault. His dog is dead. His fault. So where, at what point was he this fantastic Texas Ranger that was like shooting people off of mountaintops and doing karate chops through the air and stuff and he was killing people? He wasn't. They buried him alive. (laughs) His car got him out. He had friends who helped him save people. He is only alive because his girlfriend took a bullet for him. He's a terrible Texas Ranger. I said it. 
Walker, Texas Ranger would be better. <laughs> so I never like, here's a secret for you. I've never liked Chuck Norris movies. My father loves Chuck Norris movies, like with a passion. And every movie night, he would pick a Chuck Norris movie for the go down to get the VCR <laughs> at, the, at the rental place and pick a Chuck Norris movie along with all the other movies we watched. I hate Chuck Norris movies. Chuck Norris, they're not fun. They're not entertaining. And he's not a good actor. And he's very <laughs> ugly. No, <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> but wow. after watching this movie. Just tearing in the Carlos. <laughs> and he's got nothing compared to Dolph. <laughs> yeah, well, that too. But but after watching this movie, I can say that I will never watch another David Carradine movie. This is like the third movie I've watched with him. And he's the same, he's basically the same character. <laughs> he is a wavy he's, he's arm He's the same turtle. character in every movie. <laughs> That's what he, exactly. He is Kung Fu. And he looks like a turtle. I said it. <laughs> And sometimes a diplodocus, but... If you've never seen the Kung Fu series, he just roams around doing karate things. That's all, that's all he does. That's like the whole plot. <laughs> yes. So you might be listening to this thinking like, man, you guys are being really hard on this movie and really hard on Chuck. And it's just not fair because I don't think you know what you're talking about. And what I'm going to say to you is that we're right. Deal with it. <laughs> you're wrong. His movies are bad. <laughs> so before you send that email, just know I'm, when, when I'm reading it, I'm like, yeah, but you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're wrong. <laughs> and that's going to do it for us this week on Go With The Heat. We would love to hear from you. Not, Not really. really. Yeah, I know. No, actually, we don't. I'm We're actually good. giving out the email address this week. Yeah. <laughs> you go find it for yourself. Yeah, please don't text her. Call or find us at all. In fact, we're just going to mute this whole thing. Yeah, listen, don't go to that website. I don't, we don't even have a website. Nope. No, just, yeah, we don't even have one. Yeah, you want to leave us a review. Make sure you give it five stars, then tell us how wrong we are about, about our opinion about Chuck Norris. But give him five stars first. No one will read your review. I know I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going to read it. In fact, in fact, instead of a review, if instead of a review, just type in your questions about Commander Chakotay and Star Trek Voyager, and I will explain it to you. Um, the real uh, star of the movie. I will movie. explain to you the whole thing. We don't want to hear from you this week. That's why I'm not going to give you the email address or the website. <laughs> what we would love for you to do is when you listen to this and you know someone else that loves Chuck Norris, send them this podcast. <laughs> Make them <laughs> mad too. Yes. Also, people who like David Carradine will not be happy with us either. Since I've called him a turtle and a dinosaur this whole entire episode. <laughs> There's that. <laughs> So, I'm not giving out any information. You've heard from us. Peace out, y'all. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Go watch a boy and his dog. Bye, pal. <laughs>